Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities. Hello and welcome to the ARC Advisory Group Smart Cities Podcast. My name is Larry O'Brien and I'm on the Smart Cities team at ARC Advisory Group. We're very fortunate today in that we have one of the leading smart city platform providers uh, with us today uh, in the form of Nokia. And I have here with me today Daniel Massouf, Global Head of Enterprise Services and Arnaud Legrand, Head of Marketing uh, for the public sector at Nokia. Good morning or good afternoon, Daniel and Arnaud. How are you today? Very good. Great to be here. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Glad to have you here. Yeah. So I guess before we get started, why don't we, uh, why don't you say a few words about yourselves and then we'll go into the discussion about Nokia. Daniel, you want to go first? Sure. Thanks, Larry. First of all, pleasure to be here. So like in, I was introduced, um, I lead the enterprise sales for the services part of the business. So that means with all the product that Nokia sells, uh, connected technologies, we obviously have to make it work from professional services all the way to managed services. So I'm responsible for making sure that that is given to our customers in the right form and shape. So I lead a global team and I'm very excited to talk about smart cities with you today, Larry. Thanks. Thanks for being with us today in Arno. Yes. Hi, Larry. I'm very pleased also to be here today. So I am in charge of the marketing for the uh, public sector uh, within Nokia. As you might know, Nokia is not only selling to uh, the uh, uh, telecom service provider market, but also to many, uh, let's say, enterprise and public sector uh, segments. And um, so the, the government and cities, how we call it internally, is really one of these key segments in which Nokia is uh, is growing. And so, yeah, uh, it's obviously covering the smart city space, this public sector uh, market segments. And I'm very happy again to to be here and to speak about uh, this multi market today with you. Yeah, thank you, Arno. And we certainly see it as a rapidly growing market too. Um, a, a lot of stuff going on, uh, a lot of growth too. We actually see this market recovering faster uh, than some of the industrial markets that are out there right now. Uh, but I'd like to start with talking about Nokia's entry into the smart city platform business. And, and just to preface things, I mean, we ARC defines a smart city platform as basically a unified platform uh, that can bring together uh, data from multiple functional silos within a smart city uh, to provide you with kind of a single pane of glass and a single visualization environment and really a single environment to make intelligent decisions about what's happening across the city uh, instead of just looking into individual silos of functionality within a city. Um, and I was wondering if you could uh, start by talking about your entry into that smart city platform business and, and the origins and the evolution to to the current offering that you have today. Sure, maybe I can get started and Daniel, please jump in uh, when when needed. So, uh, in fact, uh, if you look at uh, Nokia, we have been really engaging with City for quite a long time. It has been primarily, obviously, on the um, uh, 
the connectivity platform uh, initially, uh, and it has been for various reasons. It has been for uh, laying out uh, broadband infrastructures for many cities, such as in in Cape Town or Chattanooga in the US. Uh, but we also have been a lot engaging with cities uh, in the for quite a, a long time now on uh, on public safety in order to support again public safety modernization of their uh, of the network. Okay, so uh, it was very clear from these let's say early success uh, that um, we could bring a lot more to cities engage in their digital transformation. And that's why uh, a, a few years ago, we, we are, have uh, conducted, a, in fact, an in-depth uh, market assessment that led us to <clears throat> redefine a bit this uh, strategic approach of this market and develop what we call internally uh, a city as a platform. So um, uh, what was a bit this uh, market assessment about? It, uh, well, it shown that uh, largely we believe that the market really failed to deliver on the smart city promise. If you look at what happened, because smart city is not a new concept, obviously, but what happened in the market for quite some time now, you don't see really uh, some striking uh, success out into the smart city. Uh, into the smart city. So uh, the analysis we conducted was shown that it was primarily to a lot of technological trials which were done by cities it was very often conducted in in silo you know uh, by a, a city department or the or a small agency within a department trialing some technologies and obviously the outcomes of these uh, of these trials or proof of concept uh, were not uh, reaching the expectation of many political decision makers so, in fact, uh, clearly, uh, from this assessment, we realize that to, to generate much better outcomes, uh, a new approach, uh, something different was needed uh, from the cities. Uh, first, uh, I think we clearly it was it was obvious that uh, to be successful, the, the cities needed to, 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 to drive it from a more city or citizen centric uh, uh, approach. That is to say that instead of really trialing technology, you're really getting started from what is a city problem? What can I bring to the citizens in order to see how they can put what technology at which services of the city area uh, in order to uh, to drive, to understand what, what kind of technologies they could bring uh, bring on the table and be much more uh, and and let's say drive real results that can be perceivable by the city and the citizen. Mm -hmm. So a much more city and citizen centric approach uh, we felt was something that was uh, a first thing that was uh, really needed to be a bit more successful into this market. Uh, the second thing uh, was about scale uh, and be and think at scale upfront. As, I, as we said, uh, we've, we saw that it was very much about uh, little proof of concept or, or, or trials. But in order to have an impact at the city level, you need to think about scale. And when we think about scale, it's obviously scale if you think about it on, on the, uh, let's say, across the city territory. So it's not just a small part of the city. 
but also scale uh, in terms of depth of innovation you have to cover in order to really have an impact even in a given domain okay mm-hmm. so it is these these were very clear and it has very often but not been the case and that that's why uh, we were not seeing these results coming in and the last thing which was absolutely key was this aspect of interconnections uh, what do we mean by interconnections if you look at cities and the way they are uh, let's say operating you see that you know each domain is not operating in silos there is a lot there are lots of interconnections in between the different city domains and when you change something in a given domain it will have an impact in another area or domain of the city and if you don't think about it uh, up front again uh, you cannot really uh, get the outcomes you're going to expect so uh, again starting from this assessment we believe that uh, the whole point was really to create uh, 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 and at the city level a technological platform that will allow the city to relatively easy then capture the innovation that will be needed to really fuel its development so it's really about moving sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> moving from uh, uh, let's say uh, from a point solution approach to a more platform centric approach from a technology standpoint okay no we totally agree with you actually uh, you know and it's been, been my experience too doing research in this marketplace that people are very focused on implementing silos of technology but they don't consider the holistic impact on you know how one silo of functionality affects the overall function of a city and like you said uh, what happens in one system or silo of functionality usually affects what happens in one or several other silos of functionality uh, in a city. So without that holistic view of everything that's going on, it's really hard to make intelligent decisions about the operations uh, and, and even the safety of a city. Uh, you know, you mentioned the citizen-centric approach. Um, you know, we're big believers in that too. There, there should be a value proposition behind it, right? You shouldn't just be trying to solve a technology problem or implement a, you know, a piece of technology for technology's sake, but you should be thinking about the impact on the overall city. Um, and it's kind of hard to do that without a true uh, smart city platform if you're focused on these little uh, you know, silos of functionality within a city. Um, what do I, think we- I just want to add yeah, maybe one comment there, Pedro. sorry for interrupting. I think one critical aspect why the cities haven't really taken form is also the revenue model, right? So you can try to drive a lot of business value, all the use cases that are coming forward. We've been talking about this for 10 years, maybe more, right? At least I've been talking about it for 10 years. So when you drive the value from a use case perspective, you understand the value is going to get generated. But I think there is a critical aspect of funding. And that's been very, very fragmented. So you look at value capture and you say, well, I'm going to look at my existing assets and I'm going to inject new assets and I'm going to try to drive certain amount of value. But where do you get the money from? So the revenue model hasn't really been clear till very recently. And, uh, you know, the public private partnerships are really taking form now in smart cities. So one of the things and we'll talk about more in detail, hopefully, as the conversation goes. But one of the things that we're trying to do is trying to see how do we kind of become uh, present from the start in helping the customers drive that revenue uh, model and also making sure that what kind of uh, funding options are available for them to look at by creating PMOs maybe within the cities and municipalities 
and driving to see what model works or not. I think that's very critical. And the second thing, which is also important, is the um, how do you get the delivery methods in place? Because the typical municipality and city hasn't worked with the kind of contracts that are in play. And that's the biggest difficulty you have when you go to the public sector and you are a technology company. The way public sector structures contracts and long-term um, leasing options or whatever you want to call it, it's very difficult to manage. So I think all of that coming together, it, it creates the model a little bit more difficult to uh, cut through. But I think we're finally there. We we're making good progress with these PPPs and bringing some value in. I just wanted to add a element of the revenue aspect, which is quite critical, I believe, and probably the fundamental reasons these things haven't taken off in the time they should. Yes, they should have. No, I, I think you have a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you have more that you'd like to say on that, let's explore that a little bit, because uh, I think that is one of the primary challenges right now. Uh, I think let's carry on with the conversation. I'm sure this will okay. come up as we talk okay. about it'll come up later, right? So that's that's where I'll start pitching Nokia, and maybe it's too early. So we'll, we'll just we'll yeah, just get yeah. The no, that's okay. Well, we <laughs> talked about value. I mean, to me, this is part of the value equation, right? Um, and I'd like to ask you that too. What you see is the uh, primary benefits and how they can provide either business or social and environmental value. Um, you know, we talked about use cases and, and we're trying to promote some really solid use cases. And I know we worked with uh, Nokia recently to, to uh, develop a good use case that, that you guys have out there. Um, so what, what in, in your minds, what are the primary uh, elements of value, whether it be business or social or environmental for smart city platforms? I think this question is not easy to answer uh, for the simple reason that um, or well, there has been lots of studies carried uh, out uh, into the market on on the value of the smart city uh, smart city approach globally for cities. But I guess, uh, and that's really uh, something which is important. Coming back to my first point, which was it needs to be city or citizen centric driven. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, this kind of project, and so. Um, Clearly, the social economical value that the city will get from the smart city uh, and smart city initiative will will really depend of its own priority and where it stands. Where it stands uh, when it wants to to get onto this kind of project, <coughs> and again, what it is aiming at. So. Uh, uh, and it, it, it's very clear if you think some some of the use case, maybe we some of the let's say customer case we, we see, which are very different. Uh, think of uh, we we started to engage with the city of Ottawa on autonomous vehicle and how to improve the mobility aspect. Okay, uh, if you think of uh, another engagement uh, again, uh, which uh, I was uh, mentioning uh, before uh, is. Um, uh, what we have been doing with Chattanooga, and clearly it was about completely uh, changing the economical, uh, let's say, landscape of uh, of the city. Uh, so if you think, uh, I can give an example also, which is the city of Delft. We have been working with them on how to improve the mobility aspects and reduce uh, reduce uh, the pollution associated to heavy traffic going through the cities, okay? So you see that uh, each city has its own, again, its own set of, of focus uh, given its situation, and we'll see the social economical value really and the benefit of the approach where 
it needs to focus and depending on its problem and in, and what he wants to develop for its city. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that's something which uh, uh, which is uh, really coming very clearly out of the different engagement we have across the across the globe. Now, uh, I think if you think of uh, let's say the different platforms we can bring, you know, we can bring a different set of platform. We have the connectivity platforms. We have some digital value platform that, that are here to manage, uh, let's say, sensors and bring analytics. We have data marketplace platforms. So there are different layers of platforms and each platforms can bring some, uh, uh, let's say, uh, advantage for or benefits for the city. I think the connectivity platform is obviously very much about inclusion. Uh, how do you and and maybe we're going to come back on this later on when we speak a bit about COVID and the impact of COVID on on cities and smart city projects. But uh, it is very it was it was made very clear uh, during this COVID crisis that you need a kind of foundational uh, city connectivity platform across the city in order uh, to get access to essential digital services. And and many cities and many governments realized that it was not necessarily the case uh, with these pandemics. And and inclusion and being able to bring all the citizens into a digital economy or, or digital services, we see that is coming absolutely is becoming very fundamental, and that has, as let's say, as a starting point, a big value for many, many, many citizens. Okay. Now, once you've deployed connectivity, you want to climb the value chain. You want to bring additional set of services, and I was mentioning some of them before. But um, so, so yes. Yeah. So at the end of the day, really, uh, uh, let's say the set of value. We really depend on where where the city uh, and bene- let's say we we want to focus. Okay, right. And like you said before, you have to have some kind of a problem that you're trying to solve. Right. It's not just implementing technology for technology's sake, but you know we we have an issue. We need to solve it. Um, how are we going to use this technology to solve this issue? I think that's very important. And I think COVID nineteen is a great example about. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about taking data from different sources and, and um, you know, all kinds of different sources from legacy systems that are quite old to, to new systems to IoT devices. Um, can we talk a little bit about how Nokia manages data from these different sources and different functional silos uh, and maybe some ways that you take the work out of managing that data? Because that's a quite, you know can be quite a labor-intensive task, right, doing this kind of point-to-point integration between all these different data sources that come in different formats. Um, how does Nokia manage that and, and make it easier uh, for the customer? Um, maybe let me take that one, right? So first of all, I think you said something very key, right? Um, I think it is about use cases. And if you look at the benefits that we could bring to the cities with COVID, and I was recently reading a study that said that digital transformation has uh, just uh, leapfrogged five years in what we thought it could do overnight with COVID. So obviously some of these use cases are also becoming quite real. You know, I've been I've been thinking about smart cities and if you look at things like environmental energy, environmental water, and all of these use cases that we develop, I feel that the emerging economies have such a big scale that can be fixed and 
really um, monetized when it comes to these use cases. So I think, you know, the concept of smart cities is really big in terms of where there are more problems to solve for, solve for the citizens. I think that's a basic concept. And that's where our integration operations center plays a pretty important role because what it does is that it basically takes all your assets, whatever you may have, you may have mobility assets, you might have CCTVs, you might have analytics coming from elderlies, you might have sensors coming from other parts, which is citizen-centric services, you think about you know immigration controls, everything coming together and integrating into a single platform. So we call it the integrated operation center. We could have done better with the name, but it is what it is. With IOC, I think it's important that we get everything together from the data sources that come in, and then we give a situational awareness. So just think of a number of CCTV cameras, a number of microservices that are being enabled through the city, different pieces that come together, and we get one um, center that looks at everything from a network operation center to an integrated operation center. And what that does is that it creates workflows for people to react to situations as well. So it's not about just looking and viewing this data. It is how mm -hmm. do you action rapid response systems into, let's say, emergency response systems. And Arnaud talked about public safety networks. So just imagine that there is a uh, fire hazard somewhere. You can quickly respond with this integration operation center with the right analytics. Now, there is a second part to this conversation, and I think that's, really how do you look at the data so we've talked about i think between 2013 2016 we talked about big data all the time and mm -hmm. now it's kind of gone away this word big data because we've started understanding what do you actually do with this data so how do you monetize all this data that you have even today most of the data is remain data remains fragmented right so we have something called the data marketplace it allows you to secure securely exchange data between different parts of the city, for example. So different departments securing, uh, sharing secured information through blockchain. Now, this is a platform that we're looking and trialing, for example, in the transport sector right now. And what that allows us to do is look at the data lakes that are already there, pull the data together, allow it to be monetized where it's more necessary. So looking at it from an analytic standpoint, looking at certain algorithms that allows us to quickly look at the complexity of the data and make it usable and tangible for the business organizations. And I think this is really important as we move to, um, you know, the transport environments that we have. Travel is becoming more and more difficult when it comes to who's traveling. How do we look at the data that these people are traveling? How do we get access to information? given all the security conditions and making sure that it's secure, only available to the people that need. So I think we've got references. We're working with Cellcom uh, Israel, where we're doing uh, environmental sensor data. We're also working with another transport company where we are looking at applying this data monetization platform as well. So all of this together gives a good asset base for the cities to really bring forward a structured operation center, but also the data monetization that allows you to make the decisions faster 
which is clearly something that you need given the impact of COVID-19 and everything else that we've talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that provides a lot of that uh, business value too, that we were talking about. And to me that, that that's important too. And you mentioned bringing all this data together, you know, these, these massive, you know, uh, sources of data and actually being able to apply things like analytics and, and advanced applications to that data. Um, to me, that's one of the key benefits of a smart city platform is it's a huge enabler um, to do these advanced applications and, and provide things like monetization and things like that. That's that's what can really change the face of a city is, you know, how you apply those advanced applications to that data. One comment also, because on, on that and on what Daniel just described is, in fact, we co- we, we co-sponsored a, a big market study on smart cities initiatives uh, last year. And the market study was done among uh, 100 cities across the world, basically. And uh, it was very interesting because so uh, the, the company that did the market study has been interviewing these 100 cities and asking them where do they see the, the value and the, the ROI for the different uh, areas of the, the outcome was in fact very interesting because so they, they, they covered pu- public transit, water and energy, public health, uh, traffic management, waste and environment, public safety, e-governance. And in average, in average, um, it was based really on, on, on what the city uh, told them was the ROI was amongst three, in between three and four percent for, for each of these uh, different areas. But Interestingly, what you saw also is that the more mature cities were obviously having a much better ROI. And it was clearly linked to this interconnection aspect. That is to say, the more mature, the more interconnected the system were. And you, 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 we are seeing that uh, the direct effect of this interconnection was an increased ROI. And it was jumping uh, by uh, from from three to four percent to five to six percent. Okay, and mm. so you see the value uh, of of creating uh, this interconnection, and and creating uh, let's say yeah, uh, interconnecting all these digital aspects across the city. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also taking the work out of having to manage and, and, you know, make all those connections yourself with that data, right? To me, to me, it's a huge step. The smart city platforms and, and what you're doing is a huge step towards removing, you know, a lot of that unnecessary work, um, to get at that data and use that data. Cause you can spend a lot of time, um, trying to get different data sources to work together. Um, which kind of brings me into my next question. Um, which is about mounting, uh, mounting rather a more effective response to COVID-19. Um, you know, and I've, I've seen a lot of cities in the U.S. doing this as well, and their efforts are kind of all over the map, right? You have some cities that are kind of implementing uh, their own kind of Power BI, you know, implementation, um, where they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting and they're creating their own, you know, visualizations and displays, uh, you know. But to me, a smart city platform can really take a lot of that work out of mounting a more effective response and, and bringing all those different forms of data together. Um, can you can you talk a little bit more about how uh, Nokia is trying to help people mount a more effective response to COVID-19 and, and bringing that data together? Yeah, maybe I, maybe I can give you again a, a very concrete example. Uh, we have been engaging with a, a city in Poland called Wroclaw, and um, 
actually it started before the COVID-19, but it happened to be extremely relevant for the COVID-19. So Vroslav has a large part of its population, which is getting older and older. I guess this is really common to many 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 cities uh, yes i think so yeah <laughs> and so okay so one of the one of their key priorities is really how can i take care a bit more efficiently of these uh, elderly uh, elderly people okay and that's really one of their top priority uh, given given it's a growing part of their population so it's coming becoming more and more important it's also a growing part as a consequence of their of their city's budgets uh, and they were really asking us, how can I, I how can I improve uh, this part of uh, the services I deliver to this part of this population? And so uh, we've been working with them in order to see how we can really implement across the city uh, a system to remotely, uh, let's say, monitor the situation, uh, the healthy health situation of these of these elderly people as well as to create a link, a social link in between them, because they are very often isolated in their houses, and some uh, city, let's say, uh, care centers, which are across, spread a bit across the city, and, uh, and, uh, and also bring them some kind of uh, entertainment services, so that, you know, they keep on... Uh, 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 let's say learning and develop a bit some cultural aspects. So you see there are these different dimensions around, uh, uh, let's say elderly care, elderly care services. And obviously, uh, obviously you know that with the COVID-19, what happened is that this was, this part of the population was really the most, uh, the most, uh, hardly hit by the pandemic. And, and this is a kind of situation where uh, you know, keeping these social links, uh, keeping this, uh, uh, enabling this remote uh, social care uh, monitoring of this part of this population is is becoming really important uh, for the city and is really is can really help uh, in in case of such a pandemic. Okay, so it's just an example, but I think we we've been uh, also doing lots of. Uh, 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 things around schools and education. Maybe Daniel, if you want to jump in. Yeah, sure. Why don't? Yeah, we have been doing a lot of stuff around schools actually. So we are seeing an opportunity um, in North America where all of a sudden with remote learning, we're seeing that there's a lot of opportunity for us to go look at the school districts and work directly with them in identifying First of all, connectivity, you would be surprised that some of these schools are very well not connected. So we could use private wireless infrastructure to do that. And then obviously allow them to use certain applications to monitor the school in a lot of different use cases. And, you know, some of these things have been going on prior to COVID, right? So for example, we do crowd analytics solution. We have even deployed it in Singapore where we look at work with communication service providers to generate um, insights, and these are anonymized insights who look at how uh, a retail, urban retail structure is in terms of traffic and uh, the foot traffic that they have and how people could transport, be transported one, from one place to another and be able to analyze that. And that's exactly the kind of use cases that have started becoming applicable to different sectors. So, for example, what's happening in uh, in, in schools, like I mentioned. Then there are other areas as well, right, where we're looking at um, earlier this uh, in 2019, we did something with a connected school demonstration 
at one of the Nokia innovation days where we uh, work and try to get uh, collaboration across different different uh, different areas. And we did that with the postal service in South Africa. And we were able to look at how the connected classroom and e-learning as well. So there are many initiatives. There's Nokia and UNICEF. We've worked on that as well, where we have schools connected in Kenya as part of this initiative. First 10 schools have been connected and now we're working with local mobile operators to see how do we expand into some of these analytics that could potentially help drive uh, and address that digital divide that education has. So this is more real now than it has ever been and connectivity leads. But within the school system, there is also a lot that you need to do. One specific thing I do want to mention for COVID is a solution that I have personally intimately been involved in. And also it has been launched a couple of months ago, which is what we call the Nokia automated analytics solution for access control. So this is a very good example. You probably walk into a lot of the buildings and you see a camera and there's a thermal camera and you hear a voice which uh, reads out your temperature. Here, what we've done is we've created an automated system that uses the thermal camera, but also provides real-time video analytics to determine if the person has COVID-19 system uh, symptoms and if that person is wearing a mask or not, or if they have any um, anything that needs to be uh, monitored at a central level. That gets integrated straight into our integrated operation center that I spoke about before. So you could monitor this on a much larger scale than what the retail or the corporate parks are currently doing, which is a security guard sitting next to the camera trying to monitor what's happening. So I think right. all of these are becoming more and more applicable um, uh, as a integrated, again, uh, looking at it from a operation standpoint and giving them that data insight to manage uh, different aspects of a city, including what this NAS solution, Nokia automated analytic solution does for access control. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting solution. And, and I think, like you said, uh, you both said that these uh, were things that were happening before the pandemic. Uh, and I think the pandemic just really... Uh, you know, heightened our awareness of these issues and, and uh, the need to adopt uh, some of these solutions. And I think a lot of cities actually see the adoption of smart city platforms as a path towards this long-term resilience. Uh, so even after uh, the pandemic, uh, cities want to be more responsive and, and they don't want to be, uh, you know, fall victim to another kind of black swan, you know, event. So there's a lot of potential to provide this long-term resiliency uh, that a lot of these cities are striving for right now. Why don't we uh, switch gears a little bit and, and talk about technology again? Because I know 5G is a topic that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Uh, do you have any comments on what the real impact of 5G technology is going to be on smart cities or smart city platforms? What can we look forward to or what concerns might we have about uh, 5G in the future? Well, I, well, obviously, we believe <laughs> that 5G will play, I guess, a critical role uh, in the in the in the deployment of smart cities uh, initiatives. I was mentioning initially at the very beginning this importance of scaling uh, smart city projects to, to get the outcomes. And uh, uh, clearly we believe that um, uh, 5G will play a critical role in, in enabling this scaling. Why would it do that? Because it's just simply that if you think about it, smart, uh, well, smart city initiative or projects means progressively, if you want to bring all this innovation, it will mean, uh, let's say, 
putting all these sensors across the city in order to monitor what's going on across the city. and so at the end of the day, it will mean millions of sensors with very different type of traffic profile. Uh, you can have some device which have extremely low bandwidth, uh, but on the other end, you can think of using very high definition cameras as another type of sensor. So from from very you you need to be you will have to be able to manage from very low bandwidth to very high bandwidth you will have some applications which will be mission critical think of any obviously any public safety type of uh, communications and up to uh, entertainment services okay for the citizens so so very different type of uh, uh, criticality of communication that you have you will have to be able to manage too uh, you will have some real-time applications. Think of everything which is connected to remote maintenance with augmented reality and uh, virtual reality type of applications until far less sensitive uh, applications such as grids or smart grids. Okay, mm-hmm. and but all of this will require at the end of the day massive capacity. So if you think at all these different aspects of the communication infrastructure that will be needed to support all this innovation that will happen across the city, you need a communication technology that is able to support this diver- very diversified set of uh, of communication at a massive scale. And that's basically what 5G has been designed for. Okay, So we strongly believe that 5G obviously uh, will play a critical role to enable all these smart cities. And it's interesting because uh, we, I think, uh, uh, we we will we will announce very soon, but it, it has already been announced by by the city of Graz in Austria, where they are going to roll out uh, a full 5G network uh, in order to power their smart city uh, uh, development. And it was very interesting in that case of the city of Graz because that's exactly uh, what I just described you is they exactly made the same analysis. That is to say, they said, okay. I want to really develop my city uh, and I want to enable all these different use cases uh, across across the different domains of my city. And the foundation, the basic foundations to enable all of this will be to roll out a 5G network. So they're going to they're starting with rolling out this 5G network in order to support this uh, smart city project. So definitely something which is very strong. Uh, strong as a role in order again to to enable this smart city project. Yeah, to me, the uh, advent of 5G will accelerate the adoption of smart city platforms, right? Because you're going to have a lot more sensors, a lot more data. Um, it's going to be, you know, much more of a challenge to manage all those data sources um, and more use cases, right? Uh, yeah. We're going to see a lot more concrete examples of how this technology can actually be put into practice. I think acceleration is the key word here, right? Because a lot of things that we talk about in terms of use cases are applicable now. So you have certain disaster scenarios, mission critical use cases that work today. And we're able to do uh, certain things with drones, which are happening today under a private wireless scenario today. So I think what's key is what you just said, it accelerates what you can do because the number of sensors um, that will be able, you'll be able to connect um, and do live video streams. And gaming is a very good thing to talk about as well. So nowadays, it seems to be a lot of talk about that. And all of these 
latency issues that you hear about will definitely create a wave of acceleration. And that at the back of what we're seeing with COVID-19, the digital transformation, the leapfrog of five years, I think the, it, it just opens a lot of opportunities for uh, for cities as well as its citizens. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm also a big believer in uh, the value of uh, gaming technology and kind yeah. of gamification. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the big advancements, even in things like, you know, uh, simulation and digital twin, uh, you know, have come out of the world of, of gaming as well. Um, yeah. Um, so I think we can look forward to a vastly accelerated adoption of these technologies with 5G and, and with COVID. Um, I completely agree that COVID has really leapfrogged things in terms of cities and communities adopting um, digital transformation strategies. Uh, much faster. So hopefully, uh, you know, as the pandemic winds down and these cities look to long-term resilience, uh, I, I think things will continue to accelerate. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we we see, uh, you know, we do a, an economic analysis of the smart city platforms marketplace worldwide, and we see that market bouncing back, uh, you know, from this COVID-driven recession much, much faster um, than many of the other industry segments that are out there uh today because there is such a need for this uh we had mentioned funding i think that might be worth you know talking a little bit about because uh, i i think it's you know like you said it's hard for cities to get funding or or you know to coordinate projects sometimes uh you know that's one of the things we're participating in, in, in at arc is this uh i uh, i think it's p2784 the project management process um any any words on that before we uh wrap up or i would just say that the the models that are available are quite vast right and i think what we need to be understanding is two aspects to it one is obviously there's public private funding right so we look at either creating public private partnerships or we look at tapping onto that in different finance models available the cities do not understand how to have access to those revenue models. And I think that's number one. There are many ways that you can get revenue into your system, which gives you a better time to market. So now as we go through these edge cloud services and we go to pay-as-you-go subscription-based all-you-can-eat model, I think the cities have a lot to put in to run, get funding. Smaller funding can get you a long way. Uh, in terms of what the cities need to do, because the technology expenditure is changing. There's less CapEx at uh, on, uh, discussions happening. There's more OPEX models available for cities to mm -hmm. leverage on. And I think that's where Nokia plays an important role in trying to define what that finance model should be. There are very successful, well, not very successful, but models which are becoming slightly successful in PPP generally. And we're seeing this in North America where we're creating consortiums between public-private partnerships. That's definitely a good model. But I think the next phase is going to be where the CapEx investment required by the city isn't really that high. So they need to look at more innovative revenue models and apply that uh, front and back to get to the market quickly. So I think there's a lot more exciting things that are going to happen uh, within this funding space. And this is going to be key to really accelerate the smart city topic for many of the larger cities today. Yeah, I think so too. Um, we definitely uh, agree with you there that you don't have to make a huge, you know, capital investment to do these projects and, and things are being driven more towards the uh, operational expenditure side. So we look forward to, uh, any new developments that you have coming along related to that. Well, I think we're at the end of our discussion and I, I want to thank you very much for participating today. 
For those of you that are listening, we've been talking to Daniel Massouf, Global Head of Enterprise Services, and Arnaud Legrand, Head of Marketing for the Public Sector at Nokia. Uh, I want to thank both of you for participating today. I thought it was a great discussion. Hopefully, we can have you back again soon. A lot of good points today. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It was a very good discussion. And thank thanks, you, Larry, for yeah, having us. You. It was a really yeah. a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you for giving us the time. I hope this was insightful, and um, look forward to the next one, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, great yeah. discussion. Thanks a lot, Larry. It was great. Yeah, great discussion. Thank you. Well, I thought it was great. And uh, thanks to our audience for listening. And we will see you on the next episode of the ARC Smart Cities Podcast. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities Podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities.